0: And tweet. Come find us on Twitter at VictoriousLift.
1: Tweet, tweet. Hi there. This is Daniel Foytek. I am one of the creators and producers for The Lift. And I know when I listen to audio dramas, I want to get to the story, so I'm going to make this real quick. I have two things to tell you about today. First of all, I want to say thank you to everyone who took the time to rate and review the show in iTunes. That always means a lot to us. We had three ratings and reviews since the last show. And I really appreciate it. You will hear those at the end of the episode today. Also, I wanted to let you know that we created a way for you to become a part of what we make here. We created our Patreon page over at patreon.com. You can find that easily by going over to victoriaslift.com forward slash support. We wanted to try to find a way to offset some of our hard costs for making the show for you. And we'd also like to do some things like upgrade a little bit of equipment And we're working on putting together an awesome anthology of all the stories from this season in written form, along with two bonus stories never heard before. So in order to make that happen, we need to spend a little bit of money, and we're hoping that you'll want to be a part of it. You'll get credit for it and be mentioned on the show and in the show notes on the website. There's some other great rewards there. Go ahead over to victoriaslift.com forward slash support to check it out. And now, without further ado, let's go for a ride.
0: Hello, this is Austin Miratory, and I'm the writer for today's episode of The Lift. Today's the day. If you enjoyed the story, you can find more of my work at
1: www.austinmiratory.wordpress.com. You can also follow me on Facebook and Twitter at Austin Miratory. Find more episodes of The Lift at victoriaslift.com. Thanks for listening. Steam fills the tiny bathroom, smothering the yellow tile walls. It makes its way up to the cracked mirror and consumes it. Loud humming emerges as Don pulls back the dingy shower curtain and steps out. His joyful melody contrasts the long, jagged scar that fades across his chest. A silhouette wipes the fog from the grungy mirror, revealing the handsome reflection of a 30-year-old man. One... Who has seen many hard times? Don smiles as he stares into his own eyes. Today is the day, he says to himself. His smile fades into a frown as he lets out a sarcastic laugh. <laughs> he pulls away from the sink and makes his way down the barren hall toward his bedroom. Don opens his small closet. A dozen expensive silk suits in various colors line the rack. He reaches for the dark blue one and throws it on the bed. In routine fashion, he methodically gets dressed. First, the boxers. Then, the matching blue pants, followed by the crisp white button-up shirt. He throws on the sleek jacket, and the transition is almost complete. The final set piece, a red clip-on tie, rests on the nightstand beside his bed. It sits in front of a picture of Dawn holding a little blonde girl both sporting big smiles caught in a moment of pure bliss forever immortalized in a dark rosewood frame and more importantly in his memory a tear streams down his face as he glances at the photo most of his memories are this way painful and frozen in time don adjusts his fake tie and shrugs off the pain ready for another day
0: do you hear me I am Victoria I am Victoria once upon a time there was a place that became lost became lost It is a place where story and substance combine you hear me? where the reality of story shapes thoughts where fantasy becomes tangible. This is that place. Those who find themselves here are here to make a choice. <laughs> the choices you made in the past don't matter. But the choice you make now is the one that will
1: set your fate. Tires squeal as Don's old Buick comes to an abrupt stop drawing stares from everyone in the small cafe. Everyone rolls their eyes, implying the routine acceptance of a familiar entrance. The engine sputters and rumbles for a moment before falling silent. Don jumps out of the car and slams the door. He is in full cool mode, completely aware he has made his presence known. Clouds darken and rain falls with intensity. He brushes past an old woman, nearly knocking her over in the entrance. Well, excuse you, the woman says. I am in a hurry. I have important things to do, he says. She shoots him a look of disgust. Not only is this little cafe packed, there is also a pretty sizable line. The place only houses about 12 or so small tables, with most of those being booths. Various pieces of art cover the gray walls. Oil paintings, black and white photographs, all from local artists to keep the place cozy. Decorative menus fill most of the counter space. There is a large blackboard on the wall behind the counter listing the specials of the day in blue and red chalk. Don brushes past the people in line, cutting them. A short bald man speaks up. Hey, man, you can't just cut. Don turns to the man and puffs his chest out. I can do whatever I want. What gives you the right, the man says. This catches Don off guard. He thinks for a moment, reaching for a response. The cafe goes silent as the patrons witness the standoff. Finally, he blurts out a lie. Because I'm a detective. I am in a hurry. I have a huge case today, and I'm already behind. Well, by all means, go ahead, the man snaps. Seeing as how detectives are now gods, I guess the lives of us little people don't mean anything. The crowd gasps. Before Don can answer, the man storms out of the cafe into the rain. The door slams behind him as the bell echoes off the walls, slicing through the silence. Wow, says a woman in the line as she walks out the door as well. Don turns to the counter. Where the barista stands dumbfounded uh what can I get you today says the barista just a black coffee will be fine really all that for a plain black coffee Don looks at the man's name tag the vein in his neck bulges as he speaks listen here Sean I don't see how any of this is your business so why don't you just shut your damn mouth and do your job got it Sean pulls away. His body trembles. Impatience is one of Don's greatest vices, a trait that explodes at the most inopportune times. He looks around the room and sees a few people snickering. For a brief moment, his cheeks glow red. Sean fidgets with the coffee pot, spilling a few scalding drops on his hand. "'Shit,' he says as he sets the cup down on the counter and rings Dawn up. "'Hey,' Watch your mouth, man. Don fires back with a smirk on his face. Three dollars, please, Sean says quietly. These prices are ridiculous, Don mutters as he hands Sean the money. Sean walks to the back and proceeds to clean. Don grabs his coffee, a huge smile plastered across his face. He looks at the tip jar for a second, then shrugs and leaves. As he goes through the door... He throws Sean a wink. The rain comes down faster now, as the wind whips it side to side like a broken sprinkler head. Don stands with an umbrella above his head, pumping gas into his crappy clunker. The gas pumps are all busy with long lines at each of them. A silver minivan waits behind him. He glances at his phone. Missed call from Sarah. He puts the phone back into his pocket as his eyes swell with tears. He blinks rapidly to hold the emotion back. A horn sounds from another car that just arrived. Chill out! I'm a surgeon at the hospital. My beeper just went off, Don shouts. The man in the car flips him off and speeds away. Don returns the bird. A trail of gas leaks out. As Don swings the nozzle around to put it back in the old pump, he pays no attention as he slides into his car. Lightning flashes across the sky, followed by the crashing of thunder. The storm is here. His mind races in a million directions. What could Sarah want? Sweat builds on his brow and his breathing increases. The loud thud from his heart is in sync with the building thunder. Panic ensues as his phone rings. Again, it's her. Hello, he says with a shaky voice. Where's my child support for Leah, Don? Sarah says. Don can hear the anger in her voice. I told you last week I sent you the money order. Sweat is pouring down his face, matching the rain in its pace. Don't you dare lie to me, Don. I'm so sick and tired of it. Her words trail off into a cry. Sniffles break the silence as Don reaches for a response. I don't know what happened. Did you check the post office? Sarah composes herself the best she can. Cut the bullshit. I know you didn't send it. How can you sit there and continue to lie to me? To your own daughter? Don pauses. The realization he has been caught sets in. I know. I'm working on it. He hangs his head and wipes the sweat off his face. It's not even about the money, Don. All I want is you to see your daughter regularly. She says. A beep interrupts them. He takes the phone away from his ear and looks at the screen. Incoming call from unknown. His face contorts with confusion. He puts the phone back to his ear. Hold on a sec, my boss is calling me. Before she can even say a word, he clicks over to the other line. Hello? Mr. Fox, is that you? He says. Static fills the line, causing Don to hold the phone away from his head. Hello? Still nothing. The line goes dead. He pauses for a moment and then ends the call. Just as he is about to call Sarah back, his text alert sounds. Simultaneously, the radio goes berserk, as if someone is controlling it via remote control. He glances down. As with the earlier incoming call, the text is from an unknown party and gives a local address advising him to meet a potential client on the eighth floor this could be my big break he thinks i knew today would be my day he shouts as he pounds on the steering wheel like a caveman pounding his chest don turns to the rearview mirror and adjusts his hair coming it back while taking a much needed deep breath an opportunity awaits the engine roars to life on the first try but sputtering a bit. Making the leak in his exhaust all the more evident, he speeds off. Towering above all the other buildings on the street stands a stone and brick structure. It sits at the end of a road in the middle of a large parking lot overgrown with grass and trees pushing through the concrete. It looks out of place. The yellow guide marks that outline the parking spaces are fading into the pavement Scattered everywhere are large chunks of cement and rocks. Dirt from underneath the lot is exposed in some spots. Don pulls in cautiously and looks around for a spot to park. A small patch right in front of the building catches his eye. It is clean and clear, unlike the rest of the lot. Lightning cracks above the building as dark malevolent clouds form, silhouetting the old building boards cover the windows and long vines crawl up the sides he gets out and stands in front of his car looking up am i in the right place he thinks while double checking the text yep this is it weird it looks abandoned i guess they don't have a maintenance man (laughs) don lets out a chuckle he decides to give it a shot Taking another deep breath, he enters. The lobby is a mesh between early 1900s and modern architecture and decor. The marble floor is covered in a thick layer of dust. Old oil paintings hang on the red wallpapered walls. Important-looking people pose in fancy dress clothes. The modern furniture clashes with the old electric lighting fixtures, as if the building is being torn between two places. As he walks, his footsteps echo. Don looks around, bewildered. Hello? He shouts. Is there anyone here? The walls creak and groan as the wind outside picks up. Don feels an ice cold prickle sensation in his chest. He crosses his arms in an effort to keep warm. The temperature inside is colder than outside. His teeth begin chattering. I knew I should have brought a jacket, he thinks. As he approaches the front desk, he notices a single light, illuminating a lift. The doors of the lift are modern, which is in complete contrast to the old floor-level plate that rests above the doors. Currently, the arrow rests on an L for lobby, with the numbers expanding all the way through to the ninth floor. Dust covers the chrome door, preventing any kind of reflection. Dawn pushes the button, which immediately opens the door. The light inside the lift is dim, creating deep shadows that cascade down the edge of the walls. The light flickers as he enters, and the door closes with rapid force. He leaps backwards, eyes bulging. He takes a deep breath and pushes a button labeled 8. The light flickers again, and the lift goes dark. A few seconds later, the light comes back on. Only things have changed. It is transformed into an old lift with dark rosewood walls, carved into a unique pattern, and a metal gate for a door. Don jumps into a corner and lets out a scream. What the hell? He says in a high-pitched voice. Who is doing this? He looks around. The lift shakes and creaks childlike giggling erupts as classical music plays from thin air one final crunch followed by a screech blares as the lift comes to a final stop this isn't funny his petrified voice quavers no longer concerned with the temperature Don opens the door he hears more giggles but he doesn't know where they are coming from right in front of the door Not more than 10 feet away, in the center of a dingy hallway, stands a sign lit by a single light. Sloppy handwriting, done in the hand of a child, covers the sign. It reads, Meeting This Way. Below the words is a large squiggly arrow that points toward a skinny hallway drenched in shadows. Only partially lit with a grungy green light. Weird, blue-flowered wallpaper lines the walls, the pattern dancing as the light flickers. Swallowing his fear, he follows the sign. Sweat streams down his face again, and his breathing increases. The pounding of his heartbeat rings in his ears, rhythmically countering his steps. As he draws closer to the room, he begins to hear soft whispers calling him all kinds of names though he can't quite make out what they are saying. He sees another sign with an arrow that reads, meeting, the whispers continue and grow louder. They are slowly becoming more intelligible to the point where he can make out some of the phrases. little girl giggles again forcing Don to hold his hands over his ears he tries to drown everything out the hallway is lined with large heavy doors as he passes by them he hears loud clicks and barely audible screaming as if coming from a great distance the sounds blend together into a hypnotic chant he shakes uncontrollably his body shuddering as tears swell up at his eyes. Please, make it stop, he cries out. On the wall, he sees another message, written in red paint. Not much further. Wow, he says. This is really fucked up. He contemplates running out and going home. Instead, he fights his fear and tries to put on his tough guy persona. A few feet away is a final door. Before he opens it, he freezes, recognizing the whispering voices. His jaw drops. The voices are his dead brother and mother. The door swings open all by itself. He leaps back and bumps into the opposing wall. The tough guy facade crumbles, and he stands there, shivering. Just as he is about to run, he hears a little girl's voice.
0: "'Don't be scared. I'm really a little girl. I don't bite,'
1: (laughs) she says with a giggle. Don stops in his tracks as he quickly regains his composure. He turns and sees a little girl of about nine with blonde pigtails, wearing a purple dress. She's holding an old music box. "'Oh, hello there. You scared me,' Don says." breathing a sigh of relief she giggles some more the room is an old office a lot like the one he sits in all day at work however thousands of pieces of paper fill this office all covered front and back there is even writing on the wall the lines are so small he can't make out what they say he steps into the room and says where are your parents i believe i'm supposed to meet your dad She giggles.
0: No, silly. You're here to meet me. I'm Victoria.
1: What? You're joking, right? Why is a little girl like you hanging out in a creepy old building all by herself? Victoria smiles and says with excitement.
0: I'm surprised you made it here, Donnie.
1: Don blinks rapidly in confusion. How do you know my name?
0: I know a lot of things, Donnie, and I'm shocked at how brave you are.
1: I'm not scared of anything or anyone, he says.
0: That's not true, Donnie. You aren't really the person you think you are.
1: His face turns beet red. You don't know a thing about me, little girl. Victoria lets out a giggle.
0: (laughs) Don't I? Your past has been difficult, but you have chosen this path. Putting on masks and constantly pretending to be someone you're not...
1: He lowers his head and looks at the ground.
0: You also lie in an attempt to make yourself look better.
1: Don lifts his head for a moment and reluctantly replies. No, I don't. Defeated, he hangs his head again.
0: It's not nice to lie, especially to little girls.
1: Everyone lies. Victoria speaks up.
0: I don't.
1: She looks at the music box and says,
0: Your daughter Leah needs her daddy. Why do you lie to her?
1: Thoughts of his daughter flood Don's head. Visions of her running (laughs) around the yard with her puppy. (laughs) Tears run down his face as he raises his head and looks Victoria in the eyes. Because it would hurt her more to know the truth about me.
0: That's the thing about the past. We can't go back and change it. We can only change the future. The truth outshines the hurt in the long run.
1: Don wipes his face and looks around the room. What's with all the papers? Victoria looks around.
0: These are all the lies you ever told.
1: Really? He says, astounded at how this is even possible.
0: Yes. Even the one you tell yourself every day.
1: Don looks down at the floor.
0: I'm really sorry to have to do this to you, Donnie. I wish it could be different,
1: she says. What do you mean? Victoria opens her music box. The bright green glow splashes in Don's eyes. As he looks closer, the light shows him visions of himself in a hospital bed, screaming in pain, then taking his last breath with no one around. Don is crying as hard as he can. It escalates further, with the final vision. This image shows his daughter. Leah screams and cries. Daddy, where
0: are you? I need you. I'm scared.
1: Victoria interrupts the horror.
0: It's time to decide. I really hope you make the right choice.
1: Decide what? What am I supposed to do? He pleads.
0: I can't tell you that.
1: Panic sets in as Don struggles with his life-altering confusion. A few moments pass, and he gets the sense that Victoria is growing impatient.
0: Well, it's time to go.
1: Wait. Victoria, please, don't do this. He falls to his knees and shouts, I'm a liar. I pretend that I'm important, and I treat other people like pure garbage just to feel better. The truth is... I love my daughter more than life itself. Don looks up and sees Victoria standing there, pointing toward the lift. He slowly rises to his feet and starts walking toward it. As he walks past her, he feels peace settle into his soul. He enters the lift and turns to face Victoria. She stands in front of the lift and waves at him, and then she says...
0: Donnie.
1: The door shuts, making a clanking noise. As the lift shakes and descends, Don closes his eyes in relief. Thank you to everyone who took the time to rate and review the show since our last episode. As always, since you took the time to rate and review the show, we want to take a minute to read the reviews and say thank you. If you'd like to hear your own review read here, you can head on over to itunes.victoriaslift.com and leave us one and we'll definitely read it in the show. We'll start out today with Midwest RJ. Very good, creepy, and interesting stories. Only have three left and I will have listened to them all the lift thanks for that of course with your support we'll keep making more so you'll never be caught up well for long next is from m812k pleasantly surprised i was informed of this podcast by a small town horror post on facebook i was looking for a new podcast to listen to since i am caught up on the 20 i listen to and i am so happy with this gem I love the idea of a different writer for each episode. Keep up the good work. I will remember to be a good person. Victoria can leave me alone. Well, you never know when you might have a run in with Victoria. So thanks so much for that. Last, by ICE13166, The Lift is Victorious. (laughs) I see what you did there. I see it. I see what you did. I am a podcast fanatic and I listen to 13 regularly. This is by far my favorite. I anxiously await each new episode. It's like the amazing radio shows of old that totally engaged the audience with wonderful narrators, hypnotizing music and sound, and imagination-stimulating stories. I'm so happy to have found the lift. Don't let it go without coming aboard. Go get them, Victoria. Thank you so much for that. Also, we made two different podcast lists on Imgur, I don't know if I'm saying that right. I-M-G-U-R. You can find links to all this stuff over at victoriaslift.com forward slash reviews. Please, again, we are looking for you to come aboard the lift and give us a hand with making these stories great. You can do that at victoriaslift.com forward slash support. Click on the Patreon link. That'll take you right over to our Patreon page for Ninth Story Studios. As always, we appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to and enjoy the lift. We love making it for you. There are only three episodes of the lift left this season, and then we are going to be taking our summer break. We are going to actually take an extra week between this episode and the next one. So instead of two weeks, there will be three weeks. But once we get to July 15th, you will have a lift episode three weeks in a row until the season finale, which is July 29th. Today's episode featured a story by Austin Miratori. Today is the day. If you'd like more information on Austin and his work, please visit him online at austinmiratori.wordpress.com and follow him on Twitter at Austin Miratori. Artwork for today's show was created by Stephen Matiko. If you'd like more information on Steve and his work, please visit him over at WideEyedOtter.com and follow him on Twitter at S underscore matico. This episode was scored by Nico Viteze of We Talk of Dreams. Today's narrator was Daniel Foytek. That's me. Today's episode also featured the vocal talents of Sammy Piles, Bobby Foytek, a professional Beagle Pointer mix, and David Fairhead. You can find Dave over at FairlyDarkProductions.com. Full show notes with links and artwork can be found at VictoriasLift.com, S1E17.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of The Lift. Please help others find our little lost place. Share the show and help us grow. It's easy to retweet, repost, and share the show. The best support you can give us is to rate us in iTunes. Find us at itunes.victoriaslift.com Don't miss the next episode. Subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or TuneIn Radio. You can also listen at victoriaslift.com or at Society13. Follow the show on Twitter at victoriaslift. And find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Victoria's Lift. The lift opening theme music was composed and recorded by Kimberly Henninger and Sean Park of Cathedral Sounds. The lift closing theme music was composed and recorded by Nico Vitese of We Talk of Dreams. For more information on any incidental music in this episode, Please check the show notes at victoriaslift.com for titles and credits. The voice of Victoria Bigglesworth-Hayes was performed by Amber Collins. Creator and producer, Daniel Vortick. Executive producer and co-creator, Cynthia Lawman. Music director, Nico B Art director, Stephen Matiko. All characters and works read in this audio recording and associated music and artwork are copyright of STRY Radio and may not be used in any form without permission. The Lift is an STRY Radio and Night Story Studios production. Six savage seasons all in a row. Six scary seasons for the beast to grow. Six wicked seasons to keep you up all night. Six nasty reasons for your wicked delight. Six wicked seasons that you thought was scary. Wait till Season 7 of The Wicked Library. (laughs) September 2016. Visit thewickedlibrary.com. From Society 13. Redefining Podcasts.